You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody to another episode of the locked on vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every single day i also want to shout out the peacock and williamson podcast covering everything in the national angle of the nfl covering all of the nfl news you need to know with brian peacock and matt williamson they're doing a great job over there so go check that out i am your host your pal and the kitty copied off in math class my name is luke braun you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl and the show is on twitter at locked on vikings and today i got a couple of fun stories for you including a rookie that a lot of people are very excited about so excited to talk about him but first i want to talk about some nfl news uh myself so on thursday the NFLPA sent a memo out to the players via the Joint Pain Management Committee. This is a committee that was uh, built as part of the latest CBA, the 2020 CBA, um, a committee about pain management, essentially condemning the use of Toradol as a painkiller. And so if you ever played, you might know about Toradol. And if you don't know about Toradol, then uh, get ready to have some illusions shattered because this gets kind of dark. But I do feel like this is worth covering because I think it's going to have a much bigger effect on the NFL than it seems like it's getting like not enough buzz right now, I guess. So if you don't know what Toradol is, Toradol is like super ibuprofen. It is an anti-inflammatory that is meant to be a painkiller like Motrin or anything like that. Uh, but it's like super charged. And the way that Toradol works is by blocking your body's production of something called prostaglandins, a word you don't need to remember. Um, so the human body is cool as hell. If there is an injury, it starts making this stuff called prostaglandin at that spot. And it does a whole bunch of stuff that aids in the kind of the healing process. One of those things that prostaglandin does is it inflames the area. It basically calls out to a whole bunch of blood cells to say, hey, come here, crowd all this up so that it all swells. And the point of that is to help prevent infection and help with the healing process and stuff. There's a whole bunch of reasons that your body inflames. And prostaglandin is kind of the hormone. It's like the traffic cop, I guess, or it's the thing sending out the signals that's says, hey, send blood cells here. There's an injury. And if you've ever had a bump or a bruise and it swells up, you know, or a big welt, you touch it, it hurts. Inflamed parts hurt. There's a big reason for that, right? It is a hurt place. Please do not mess with it. That is what that pain tells you. It's your body kind of sounding off a giant to not do not touch alarm. And prostaglandin is kind of like a bunch of traffic cops locking the place down while all the repairs can go on. Toradol blocks the creation of that prostaglandin. The traffic cops never show up, and you can relieve the pain. And it's very crucial that Toradol lets you relieve that pain without Oxycontin or any steroids, so it's very, very popular in the NFL. There's no addictive quality or anything like that. It's just like an ibuprofen, but like mega supercharged. But of course, there's a problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't really be talking about this because those prostaglandins, those are versatile little buggers. They're kind of like two sport athletes. And in some people, they help with blood flow in the kidney. They are, again, kind of like traffic cops and they help things kind of move along. So with long-term repetitive use of Toradol, like what we see in the NFL, the production of the kidney cops gets kind of messed up, and you really, 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 really don't want things in your kidney to be messed up. So when athletes suffer injuries, the NFL pops full of Toradol, and that includes the, like, natural bumps 
bumps and bruises associated with the sport. And it even gets to the point where sometimes they'll just shoot you up with a little bit of Toradol before every single game, just sort of like as a general pain reliever so that that bump or that bruise doesn't hold you back and, and you know you can actually get in the game and a lot of players say like it is crucial to my ability to get into the game and so they're taking Toradol either via a pill or intravenously or whatever and you're not supposed to do that. Toradol is supposed to be a kind of single-use occasional drug, something you'd give to a patient after surgery if you're worried about giving them Oxycontin for some reason. And so this has been, I mean, this has been known for a while, and it was, I guess, easier for everybody to just sort of look the other way on it, players included, and, you know, coaches and medical professionals and everybody in the NFL whose job it is to kind of keep these guys safe is also under a little bit of pressure. It's kind of the same problem with, like, the concussion experts on the sideline. There's a lot of pressure for that guy to say, no, he's okay to go in, and of course that's a documented thing that's like this internal struggle in inside teams so the nflpa memo is a recommendation so it might not change anything it's not a rule being set and there's no punishment if somebody doesn't listen to it that i can tell it's the nflpa sending a message to its players that say we do not recommend that you take you know regular toradol but that it is a kind of official acknowledgement of the problem with toradol i think is a pretty big step so the text of the memo itself basically says, okay, you're not supposed to use Toradol preemptively, whether it's a pill or a shot or an IV or whatever. Uh, don't use it just like as a general pain reliever. You can use it in the event of an actual injury. You know, you sprain your ankle and you want to get back in the game. That's what Toradol is for, but you got to use it sparingly and it should really be a one-time use thing. But you'll notice there's an unless in there. It's, hey, you know, in, unless, you know, in the case of this type of injury in this type of situation says to me that there is going to be kind of a way around this, and highly motivated NFL staffers and everybody who wants to keep their jobs are going to push that as far as it'll go. Same as it ever was. But again, the acknowledgement that the abuse of Toradol is bad is, I think, a necessary step toward, you know, action kind of curbing that use of Toradol, and it ultimately might lead to a healthier, safer NFL. And a healthier, safer NFL might mean guys miss more time with injuries. Might mean depth, depth players need to get in more. You know, more opportunities for backups and stuff. Less time for all your favorite superstars. Might not be good for the product as an entertainment product, but hey, considering the, the subject of this show for most of the summer, you know I'm not going to be the kind of guy that has a problem with backups getting more opportunities and depth guys getting in and, you know, adding another chapter to their already fascinating stories. For me as an entertainment product, you know, the young kid getting his opportunity is just as entertaining as the superstar lighting somebody up for the 900th time. But all that changes a long way away. For now, what you need to know is that the NFLPA said, hey, maybe don't do Toradol to its players, and that's kind of that. Players can feel free to not listen. It's still up to them and their trainers, and the, nothing about the actual process has changed. It's just an acknowledgement that this probably isn't a good idea. But what is a good idea is making sure you have enough windshield wiper fluid, especially if you live in Minnesota. It is mosquito season, and uh, if you're driving around, you get bugs on the windshield. It can impair your visibility. You don't want that, and you definitely don't want to be stuck not being able to wipe down your windshield. Make sure that that fluid's topped off. It's super easy. If you go under the hood, you can top it off yourself. If you watch a YouTube video, if you know what you're doing, and if you're looking for a place to get that windshield wiper fluid, you can go to rockauto.com and probably save a buck when compared to brick and mortar auto shops because something that you've probably heard a million times by now is that they upsell their retail customers as opposed to their wholesale buyers rock auto is going to take care of you they're not going to do that to you so head on over to rockauto.com enter your make your year and your model so you know you're getting a compatible part with your specific car 
and enjoy the savings. And at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you, because if you don't, the bunnies will become serial arsonists. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Let's also talk about Bet Online. We saw the Lakers are out. The Suns are going up against, I think, the Nuggets. And if you want to bet on that series or anything going on in the NBA, NHL playoffs, MLB games, NFL futures, award shows, reality TV, whatever you can dream up, Bet Online's probably got a prop bet on it. So head on over to betonline.ag. If you don't have an account, no worries. It's free to set one up. And when you do so and you actually deposit the money for the first time to gamble with, Enter promo code locked on and bet online will match that 50%. That means if you put in a thousand bucks and you enter promo code locked on, you'll have 1500 bucks total to play with. It's free play money for whatever you want to gramble on here at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, I want to talk about somebody who you might have missed because he joined the Vikings in the middle of the 2020 season. So you might have missed and he was only on the practice squad. He never made it to the active roster. But I want to talk about Luther Kirk. So Luther Kirk went to Garland High School, grew up in Garland, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. And he went to Garland High School. And there he played quarterback and defensive back. He was a two sport guy. When recruiting time came around, Illinois State wanted him to play safety. He wanted to focus on the defensive side of the ball. And so that's exactly what he did. He commits to Illinois State. And as first years go, his was, we'll call it uneventful, but it was fine. He played as a rotational player. He got in, he got a little bit of production, but he ultimately didn't have like the starting role that he wanted. So he was headed into his uh, third year. This would have been 2017. And he was a little bit banged up. Things didn't feel the same. His body wasn't the same. He wasn't sure if he was even going to be able to like earn a big role. And he didn't feel the love for the game anymore. So he actually hung it up. He retired from football in 2017. Obviously, in his time away, he realized, oh, no, I made a huge mistake. And he comes back for the 2018 season. In that 2018 season, he really becomes the, you know, NFL prospect that he would become the guy that actually gets some buzz from NFL teams. And I want to highlight a particular game against Western Illinois, which is an Illinois State bitter rival. State's leading 19 to 16 in this grindy back and forth contest. And Western is trying to drive it about four and a half ish minute, five, four and a half minutes left on the clock. Uh, and Western's trying to drive to either tie or take the lead. But there's an O-line breakdown and the quarterback goes scrambling and it's a schoolyard drill, scramble drill. And uh, the quarterback finds a wide receiver and fires, but Luther Kirk was lurking. He jumps the route and he picks it off. And it's only the quarterback between him and the end zone. He gives a little head fake. The quarterback totally biffs it. And he struts into the end zone for a pick six and a win. And State would actually score another touchdown with 10 seconds to go just to stick it to him. That was one of many disruptive moments for Luther Kirk. But look, it's Illinois State. He's a small school guy. He was not a very highly touted prospect at all. So he doesn't get a lot of buzz and there's not like a chance to go to a Big Ten Pro Day or get more eyeballs because it was 2020 when he came out. It was the COVID year. Luckily, he did get a chance to participate in the East-West Shrine game, which happened before everything locked down in in March of 2020. Um, And he was able to kind of show off his skills there and he played very well there. And he kind of credits that and the the conversations he had and the, uh, the notice he got there for finally kind of getting him on the map. And it was just enough 
to get him signed by his hometown cowboys for training camp. And his the, the Kirks bleed blue and silver. They are Cowboys fans to the core. So this was a huge moment for him to be able to go to Cowboys training camp and try to go make the Cowboys. He got signed by his hometown Dallas Cowboys. And I mean, imagine if you were a high school football player and, uh, you know, someday you would end up getting signed by the Vikings, even as just an undrafted free agent, getting a chance to make the Vikings. That'd be so exciting. But again, it was 2020, so no preseason, no shot. And he ends up going to the practice squad, but the 2020 Dallas defense had a lot of problems, which is turning out to have a weird impact on the Vikings roster, but they had problems, injuries on injuries, and guys weren't playing well and stuff. So that practice squad slot was soon needed elsewhere. So on September 15th, he's released very beginning of the season. A couple weeks later, a practice squad spot opens up in Minnesota. He actually only spends one week, week three, completely uh unemployed and i think it was it was september 30th i think that was week four luther kirk joins minnesota and he stays on that practice squad throughout the season so now he's he signs a futures deal and he gets to come back to play in training camp again and he has shot two to make an nfl team among a fairly weak depth group so you've got your two starters smith and woods those guys make the team for sure and you got cameron bynum fourth round rookie probably not going to lose his roster spot even though there's not a lot of expectation that he's going to be like better than guys with more experience at the position because he's switching positions and stuff and then you have josh metellus and miles dorn a couple of guys who are just not going to exactly light the world on fire here so there's an opening here luther kirk's got to play through it and he's got to earn it but there's definitely an open spot here. Outplay Metellus and uh, Dorn, earn enough of a roster spot that the Vikings don't like coax George Iloka out of retirement or whatever, and you have yourself a roster spot. And from there, Luther Kirk could build, a, you know, kind of carve out a spot in the NFL. And look, he's an Illinois State alum that wasn't a high recruit or anything like that. Maybe Luther Kirk has topped out. Maybe that's okay, right? As a small school kid, you get a couple of camp invites. That's better than a lot of people do before they have to you know, kind of move on to the next part, the next chapter of their, their journey in the NFL. But hey, in the preseason, keep an eye on number 35, because maybe not. Before I get into the next story, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. I just tried their, a couple days ago, tried their new grasshopper cookie flavor. They are delicious. They taste like Thin Mints, but they're a protein bar. It's low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber, like what you're getting with a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like chalky butt. So if you want, if you're interested in that, head over to BuiltBar.com. You can use promo code LOCKED15 and save 15% on your next order. That's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at checkout at BuiltBar.com and save 15% off of your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. In the 1800s, there was a civil war general by the name of Lawrence Sullivan Ross. People called him Sully. He was a grade A piece of a garbage. He led attacks on like native populations before the Civil War. He was a brigadier general during the war. Afterwards, he was elected governor of Texas. And in that position, he supported the white supremacist Jaybirds during a particularly violent skirmish as they tried to take a county legislati legislative seat back from black leaders. This was all after the, the, the Civil War. Just like this pure southern confederate piece of crap that 
did all the things that, you know, a Confederate Civil War general that you would expect of such a man. After Sully's governorship, he took over as president of the then-struggling Texas A&M, late 1880s, when it was still kind of a fledgling school, fused a ton of money into it, and is that's probably largely responsible for the school that it is today. So he died in 1898, and what does the state of Texas do in A&M and stuff? Well, build a statue, of course. He made all this money for, st- for Texas A&M. Right in the center of Texas A&M's campus, there is a monument to Lawrence Sullivan Ross. 101 years after Sully dies, Kellen Mond was born in San Antonio, Texas. Mond grew up the son of Kevin Mond, a military man, and a lot of his personal values stem from that upbringing. The idea of discipline, being resilient to criticism, and just the idea that you kind of get in the military of like looking out for the guy next to you and being part of a greater whole. And a big thing for him was the way you do small things is the way you do all things, which is such a great quarterback little like ism. He's going to fit in great with Kirk Cousin, who can just like shout those out uh, at the drop of a hat. So he grows up in San Antonio, and he ends up going to Ronald Reagan High School. But before his senior year of high school, and he was a a dynamic quarterback prospect there, and he knew he was going to have a career in this, so he transferred to IMG Academy. You might not know what IMG Academy is uh, if you aren't a big fan of the college recruiting scene. So IMG is sort of like this elite prep school that's meant for for like a transition from high school into college, and it is a football team of like all four and five star recruits. So this is super, super lead football team this sort of like grade a it's like west point but for football so he transfers there as a senior has a pretty good senior year there and he ends up being a four-star recruit himself so he gets a lot of offers and he commits to baylor in june but the thing about college recruiting is you can't have anybody actually sign anything until they literally enroll so you can get and this happens all the time prospects are going to say i'm going to baylor and they'll even make a big tweet about it and everything and then two months later they visited uh this is what kellen mond did and two months later he visited auburn and a&m's campus and he was like i actually like these two better and then spent a long time actually waffling between those two which by the way that kind of leverage is a great way to get a little bit, un- bit under the table cash you freestyle if you're into that no idea of that is what happened with Mond or not or whatever, but you know, it happens. So anyway, Mond waffles back and forth between the Aggies and the Tigers, but ultimately he ends up going for A&M. And his first year, Texas A&M has an open competition that he has every chance in the world to win. Uh, Trevor Knight was the quarterback there for a while, and he had just graduated. So there's also this redshirt freshman named Nick Starkle and Jake Hubenock, a Juco kid. And as a four-star recruit from IMG, he dominates that competition. Dual threat quarterback with a dynamic arm, like totally easy, right? So he starts in his 2017 season. In 2018, uh, Jimbo Fisher joins up, and they have this very communicative relationship. The relationship between Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond is very, like, after every drive, it's like, okay, what were you thinking here? What were you thinking there? Let's talk through all the decisions, and they have this very nice, open, communicative relationship, and that's the kind of coaching that works out well for Kellen Mond, the kind of thing where it's, like, very, very, uh, you know, there's always a dialogue, now, for Aggies fans, Kellen Mond's tenure might bring up a lot of frustrating memories, and Aggies fans are going to have a mixed view of uh, Kellen Mond's actual time at AM. So instead, I want to fast forward to uh, Kellen Mond's senior year, 2020. And of course, you know, how 2020 affected all of these people is like kind of this big chapter in everyone's life. 2020 is the year that changed everyone's life in some way or another. And for Kellen Mond, a lot of that comes to a head in June, summer of 2020, where of course, national fury over George Floyd and police brutality is like kind of at its peak during that summer. And Kellen Mond tweeted this big statement. 
He wanted that statue of Lawrence Sullivan Ross in the middle of A&M's campus taken down. He wanted to remind people that Sully was not just the beloved governor of Texas that spent a bunch of money on A&M, that he was a violent white supremacist that had a lot of things to say uh, about African-American people that I cannot repeat on this podcast. And he didn't want a statue of that guy to be at A&M. And so this was during like a big dialogue that was going on in on uh, A&M's campus between students and faculty and all this stuff. Students were divided on the statue. This is Texas. So a lot of people very much support and, you know, say it's part of our heritage and all that stuff. Um, and there was this kind of campus-wide conversation going on. As of this pa- past January, campus officials have said that the statue is going to stay put and that Sully was too important to the school's history. And as disappointing as that must have been to Kellen Mond, it's got to move on. It's draft time. There's not going to be a combine, but he does get a pro day. And at that pro day, he makes a weird decision. So usually at pro days, um, there is going to be some quarterback guru or some trainer, some coach or somebody that will draw up what the routine at the pro day is going to be, what throws you make, what drills you do, what kind of skills you show off. And they're going to try to tailor it to the prospect and make sure the prospect looks as well as as he can. For Kellen Mond, he scripts this out himself, and that raises a bunch of eyebrows around NFL circles, because usually it's, you know, an adult that's done this a lot, and a trainer is somebody that, you know, is is planning this out for him. The kid doing it himself, it's almost like, you know, representing yourself in court. It's like, oh, whoa, like, you think you can pull that off, huh? And he knows what he wants to show off, and he wants to make a very specific point, and I think this is really interesting. So he played shotgun a lot at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher had him in shotgun just about every play. But he knows that NFL teams are, like a lot of NFL teams, are primarily under center teams. So he decides to take every drill at his pro day from under center and, you know, show off bootlegs and these under center concepts that he knows is going to, you know, catch the eye of the teams like the one that drafted him, the Vikings. And for that reason, and that he had a pretty good pro day after scripting out himself and it, it rose his draft spot, you, you can probably credit that decision for about 30 spots in the NFL draft. And you probably would have gone closer to, you know, late third, early fourth, kind of in the 90s. And he ends up going pick 66 to the Minnesota Vikings. So now he joins the Vikings and he is firmly in the incubator. His job this preseason, you know, Luther Kirk's job this preseason is make the damn team. Kellen Mond's job this preseason is to grow to develop, to learn, become a true threat to Kirk Cousins by learning from Kirk Cousins, getting used to footwork under center, uh, you know, getting used to all these other things. If you want to listen to what I think Kellen Mond needs to do to become that starter, you can go listen to, uh, I believe it was the first episode I put up after draft weekend. But Kellen Mond's story is likely far from over, and I would be surprised to learn that, you know, the, the most influential chapters of his life are behind him. Now he has to learn, and maybe he becomes the future, you know, quarterback of the Vikings. Maybe he doesn't make it. Maybe he ends up getting a chance somewhere else. Maybe he goes the Mike Glennon route and becomes a journeyman somewhere. At any rate, we'll find out. So before you ride off into the sunset for a beautiful summer weekend, make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast. Everything going on in the wide world of sports under 20 minutes every single morning. I'm Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I will see you all next week. And as always, Skull.